Views expressed during Impact Cafe are those of the panelists and do not represent the views of Franklin Energy or AM Conservation Group. Welcome back to Impact Cafe Trend Checks, a podcast from Franklin Energy and AM Conservation Group that's dedicated to discussing all things related to energy innovation and impact in communities across North America. In today's episode, we tackle the topic of workforce education and training and the importance of the development of a technical workforce, along with certification and degree opportunities to help meet this need. Join John Shipman, Senior Director, National Training, Business and Education for Franklin Energy and special guest Juan Argueta, Senior Director, Strategic Initiatives and Energy Education Centers for Southern California Edison for part two of our Workforce Education and Training Series. Be sure to listen to part one if you haven't already before diving into the discussion. Enjoy the show. You know about certificate programs, you know, we, we have we have a lot of folks that we need to train up uh, from a technological basis. So maybe can you speak to some of the certificate programs that your um, um, uh, training center and your efforts are, are leading to um, put into the marketplace? Are there some uh, certificate programs that really come to your mind that are that are just outstanding and a lot of people are responding well to, both, both from the workforce side that they're really in, in, encouraged by and trying to achieve, and then both on the employer side, what employers are saying, well, that's a great certification for what we need. Um, this is exactly where we need to be. Can, maybe you can speak to some of those certifications that come to your mind at um, the showcase here. Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. And a lot of the focus that we have at the Energy Education Center is uh, to upskill the workforce. And we do have actually few certificate programs, and they're mainly um, in the HVAC industry. And so we work with NCI, National Comfort Institute, I hack you also, and so those are our training partners with whom we are able to take uh, our um, students basically and get them to a level where they get a certification. And so uh, we are, however, uh, just starting to work with an organization called Strategic uh, Energy Innovations. And so they will help us get connected with uh, community colleges. And so part of that effort will be to help community colleges to develop, enhance their programs and, and see where we can start to uh, develop more electrification type of certificates for the industry. And so right now, our efforts that lead to a certificate are kind of few, but we're working on enhancing that uh, for the future. And, and they will be focused on the electrification um, industry. Well, that's fantastic. You know, and, and yeah, we've been doing, working um, with some community colleges as well. And I know one of the programs that we're working with um, they're actually um, working on developing an actual baccalaureate degree here in California um, for a specific um, uh, technology trade um, uh, platform like that. So um, th that is outstanding to hear and, and, and really, really good. Well, you know, I, the other thing, too. Um, so I'm kind of curious about your um, uh, what SEE is doing in with regards to some of the soft skills. Uh, that are needed for workforce education and training. Because um, one of the things in talking with our um, trade allies out there um, all over the country is that, yeah, the technical skills are super important, but we also need to be developing the soft skills that these workers need. You know, sometimes 
Um, soft skills, you know, take a variety of, of pathways, right? Uh, sometimes it's just about learning how to show up on time, you know, and, and, and that's at the very basic level, obviously, right? Uh, to all the way to, all right, I need some, uh, you know, basic accounting skills and, and things like that and, you know, basic business skills. So just kind of curious if you're interested or could comment maybe on some of the things that Edison is focusing on around helping to develop some of those soft skills in addition to those uh, technical education skills. You know, exactly like you just mentioned, right? Some of the basic things like showing up on time and being courteous to customers. Uh, those are things that are already built into some of our training programs. But I'll give you an example of a soft skill that I think is becoming more and more important that we will start to focus more on. As we electrify um, the ability to promote a particular technology is going to become more and more important. So the plumber that is used to only uh, natural gas water heaters and now needs to promote heat pump water heaters, right? Right. That's a very important skill that, that we will need to focus on. And so part of our programs for next year, I mentioned the uh, mobile education unit. Uh, we will also, we also have plans provided that we get all the funding that we're asking for. We have a plan to develop a very comprehensive fuel substitution program. And so as part of that uh, soft skills, being able to promote technology is going to be a key component of that. And so that, I mean, the soft skills is a very, very, very important topic for us. And so we're doing it already, but we want to uh, place even more focus in the future because I think that that's gonna become even more important uh, for our workforce. You know, you, you make me think about something kind of funny here. And and, and um, <clears throat> I, I don't, I think I uh, invented this idea, so I can't take credit for it, but it was something that somebody said the other day, and I was thinking about what you just said about the mobile application and fuel switching, uh, dual fuels and so forth and so on, and getting people excited about some of the benefits of those things. Wouldn't it be great if you can install an induction cooktop, uh, cooktop in your mobile unit and actually have a chef come out and uh, do some uh, do some great culinary work, and then maybe can have maybe sure. people can have a snack when they come and visit uh, the, uh, the mobile unit. <laughs> I love it. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna queue up for that. Uh, but I just think you know it was interesting because when we when we talked to folks about uh, you know electrification and it's obviously something that we're you know engaging in very deeply across you know our, our our utility partners with our utility partners. But one of the things that we um, we do is is talk about okay how do you have a discussion around these benefits right because that is a soft skill you know whether you're you know, whether you're trying to upskill contractors or, or trade allies and you're trying to show them, hey, look at the benefits of actually doing this for your business, or you're actually working with the workers that they're going to hire to have them understand how to have this customer conversation in a way that's, you know, educational, right? That's a huge soft skill to attain, right? And so it's funny because the end result of that is a client recognizing, hey, wait a second, maybe doing this or doing this this way makes a lot of sense, right? And getting engaged and getting excited about it. So I think that's a really great example, Juan, of, of, of that you gave with the soft skills um, benefits and how to have the conversation around the benefits. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, being able to help your, um, you know, the workforce, not only really enjoy what they're doing, but get engaged in it in a way that, you know, they're educating people, not trying to sell people something, but educate people something because they believe in it too. I think that's really key, a really, really important piece. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. So, well, so 
so I'm curious to know too, um, you know, talking about the, you know, one of the things that uh, Mind the Gap, as I said, uh, really brought to my attention, being so comprehensive on the workforce side as well, you know, is this discussion around these other technologies. We know that to decarbonize, we're going to have to train in a lot of different areas. We know the HVAC is important and um, we know the soft skills are important, especially with regard to HVAC, you know, heat pump technology and understanding the benefits of heat, t- heat pump technology. But we know there's a lot of other things too, right? So I was thinking specifically when I was starting this, um, you know, this just what I was talking now about EVs and electric vehicles and so forth. <clears throat> I'm wondering um, what the what your education center is doing uh, and what your plans are to um, start moving uh, the discussion around EVs and workforce uh, kind of in the same pathway. What what can you maybe give me some insights as to how Edison is um, doing some things around training up uh, folks for the EV industry? Sure. And you know what? We have an organization called eMobility that is uh, focused on all the programs for uh, promoting electric vehicles in our service territory. And so we support them, but we're not doing any of the training for them. However, I do uh, know of an effort that they are planning on, which is an investment of about $20 million with San San Bernardino Community College. And it's, um, I think it's about $5 million per year, I believe, uh, for them to develop a training center that will be focused on the training of the transportation electrification workforce. And so that is a really, really significant uh, investment that's going to be done. And provided that it works out, then there may be other investments of that sort uh, throughout our service territory. And so we're not training the transportation electrification industry at this point. It's something that we would like to do more of, uh, but currently there is that big effort that I just mentioned with San Bernardino Community College. Yeah, no, that's exciting. That's really great to hear. I know, you know, we're seeing more and more in that uh, discussion uh, happening around the country. Um, and, and and maybe I was also going to ask you about uh, some of the efforts around uh, small and medium businesses as well. Um, you know, I know that, um, you know, from a workforce standpoint, you know, we talk about workers getting jobs with um uh, companies like uh, organizations like Edison and maybe even like Franklin uh, Energy Services and, and and other you know larger organizations. But what about the the smaller uh, organizations out there? Obviously, we have our trade allies and you know the HVAC contractors and HVAC companies out there. Um, but I was wondering if maybe you can uh, comment about you know some of the smaller organizations that help uh, thing uh, groups like um, commercial kitchens and retail stores. Uh, is there an effort underway to kind of address some of the issues around small, medium business and the workforce needed to, to understand how to service that industry? Absolutely. So in addition to the uh, energy education centers, we also have a food technology center in Irwindale, and they focus on the uh, food service industry. And so they are working with the smaller size uh, restaurant chains uh, to help them understand this new technology. So they test uh, induction cooktops. They, uh, you know, one of the really good benefits that we had in working in Irwindale was that when they would test, for for example, uh, French fry fryers, you know, there would be plenty of French fries in the afternoon for anybody <laughs> to go in and, and eat. So, so we are looking at uh, the smaller businesses through our uh, food technology center. And then one of the things that we are working on uh, at the energy education centers as well is to how, how do we segment the uh, people that we promote our services to? 
And so uh, we're getting ready to invest in a database that will help us to target those smaller customers, larger companies, uh, individual customers. And so we are expanding uh, our, uh, our ability to promote our services so that we can target the uh, businesses as you just described. Yeah. And, you know, that gets me thinking, too, you know, we talked about these other organizations that can be involved in uh, clean energy technology. I'll, I'll tell you something. I, I, I remember back when I um, worked on my graduate degree in environmental sciences, one of my favorite classes that I ever took uh, was a course on um, film and the environment. And, and, and you know, uh, going back, thinking about that class, I think about other folks that can be part of the clean energy economy other than the technology side. And, you know, for companies like Edison and for companies like Franklin, we focus more on the technology side of things. Um, but, you know, we talked a little bit about soft skills, but to what extent, Juan, I'm curious to know, because I know how passionate you are about workforce education and training and the communities that, that are affected by it uh, in a good way, right? Uh, what, what other groups, I'm, I'm specifically thinking about education, and I'm thinking about other groups that are involved in clean energy technology that we don't always think about, right? I mean, groups like, let's say, real estate professionals and other professionals that, that really can have uh, help people understand how clean energy uh, can be a part of um, their life and also economically important to them, those kinds of folks. And also, to what extent does the arts play, you know, for example, in this whole process? So traditionally, you know, we think about the technology side, but let's think for a second, outside that technology-centric world, uh, who else needs to come to the party with workforce education and training and, let's say, upskilling, um, like the realtors and uh, the, 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 the artists in the community and, and folks like that? I was wondering if you could comment on that. You know, that that's a really, really good question. And, and you mentioned the real estate industry. We, we are working on that actually in partnership with you guys as well to reach that segment of the, the industry, right? The real estate professional that needs to go and now evaluate uh, a home with energy storage and solar, right? How do you value that, right? So we do have training to target that area. And, and so, but another example, um, and this may be kind of like in between technology and artistry, but architecture, right? Mm -hmm. Archite uh, we are currently uh, supporting a competition that is called Architecture at Zero. And uh, for this year's competition, they, they will be, the students that participate will be designing affordable housing for farm workers in Visalia, so in the Central Valley. And so it will be fully electrified and it will be, like I said, affordable. It'll have a community center with broadband, broadband access. And so it touches upon all those things that are important to us, right? Equity, diversity, inclusion, clean energy, and making sure that everybody comes along. So I think that architects are a very important component of this industry. And maybe we're not putting enough emphasis there, at least for, for us right now. And so, but reaching out through this competition called Architecture at Zero, like I said, it is something that we're doing to expand our reach in that area. So that's really interesting, you know, and, and just anecdotally, um, we just, um, you mentioned we were doing some uh, work for Edison in the, the realm of 
helping real estate professionals understand a role in this clean energy technology. Um, just the other day, last week, in fact, I delivered a course personally on auxiliary dwelling units or ADU. And I got a call from an architect who was taking the class. Turns out that architect, I know him. I had actually used him and he reached out to me, you know, years ago. Uh, he, I, he reached out to me to say hello and uh, uh, wondering how the family was. So, you know, it's it's funny that you, you mentioned that. But yes, so I totally agree. You know, where, where art and science can come together uh, for clean energy technology, I think as far as workforce development goes, there's ample room for many uh, folks to be part of this discussion. Um, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, we were even talking to um, Los Angeles Unified School District once um, around the program that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're helping to, to craft. And there is, um, uh, we were talking about um, uh, folks like tree trimmers and things like that. And there's even a need uh, for arborists and tree trimmers in that entire industry, for example, to be part of this clean energy technology. So I think if we might kind of move ourselves to use a bit of a cliche, outside the box, right? And, and think a little more broadly about who can be involved in this. You know, see past, you know, of course, the obvious, which is, you know, our HVAC technicians and our EV vehicle technicians and electric electricians and so forth. Um, I think there's a, a broad audience here that could be part of this workforce. And so when we have that need to fill, you know, 60,000 positions, let's say, in a particular area, um, it's 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 amazing how many people that can come from outside our traditional spheres of thinking uh, to really add value to the clean energy economy and could be part of that. So I I applaud those efforts. I think that that's something that we also need to really focus on is broadening our mm, you know way to make more inclusion for people that aren't traditionally thought of as being part of the clean energy technology, but who easily could be and be huge contributors uh, to this uh, to this opportunity. So, you know, I was going to ask you something, um, and and and, I'll, and and it's I don't want it to sound a little bit negative, but um, because you've done so much great work there at Edison, but I'm wondering, with regard to what still needs to be done, Juan, and you know this is, you know, by far not over, right? Because um, things are different now with workforce education and training yeah, than just so even 10 years ago. I think our, our approach to workforce education and training uh, needs to, to be uh, adaptive. So I'm wondering, from an adaptive standpoint, what do you see that's different today about workforce education and training that maybe you haven't seen, you know, 10 years ago or even five years ago? What makes work? For, why is workforce education going to work this time? How are we going to get people in the clean energy economy? What should we be doing different now than we haven't been doing before? You know, speaking for the energy education centers, I think that for many, many, many years, we focused on primarily on the in-person training and that in many ways limited us to the workforce that is within driving distance to uh, the Energy Education Center. Yeah. And in-person training uh, for complicated subjects uh, where you need that you know, in-person interaction, maybe having equipment that you touch and feel and 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 maintain, right? To learn all those skills, uh, that's very important. But I think that being able to extend our reach and being able to effectively train people through uh, remote means, that's going to become 
very, very important. And that is probably one of the silver linings of COVID that we were forced to uh, learn more about, to adapt our training to a remote way of delivery. And so I think that that's something that will continue because the work environment going forward is going to be completely different. And I think that people will expect to be able to get training in this manner going forward. Getting training even through your mobile phone is something that is also very important. And so making our training accessible and, like I said, removing uh, the barriers to, to getting access to our training is going to be very important. And so I think that there will always be valuable training that will be need to be delivered in person. But being able to uh, effectively train remotely and on demand also uh, is going to be uh, important going forward. I couldn't agree more, and I and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think you know. So the, there's 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 room for this hybrid opportunity, right? I think right. as we train as we train digitally, we also um, and and we reach them, um, them being the folks that you know listen and, and engage in our training. As we reach them where they are, I do agree that there should be some component available to them where we can reach out to them. So we're you know for us we 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 call it an online offline opportunity. Um, you know maybe even a 70-30 prospect or an 80-20 prospect, if you will. Um, but we think that that's extremely important. And I agree with you 100%, Juan. Um, so let me ask you this, and, and then I have one final question perhaps for you after this, but given what you just said, what keeps you up at night still <laughs> with what needs to be done? <laughs> so what keeps me up at night is the 60,000 to 100,000 new workers per year. And so will we collectively, right, all of us involved in this uh, clean energy movement, will we collectively be able to bring about the change that's needed, uh, bring about the number of trained uh, workers out there that are needed in order to meet our electrification objectives? I mean, if we don't have the right number of people with the right training, then our objectives are at risk. And, and we're doing all of this really to combat climate change. And so what is at stake here is extremely important. I mean, to me, it has really global consequences if you think about it, right? And so that's what keeps me up at night is, are we going to able to deliver on the training that is needed so that we can have that trained workforce in order to electrify our society? Well, count me in because um, I, I know this is deeply meaningful to you as it is to me and, and, and perhaps to most, right? Um, so, so I think that's well said and I, I completely agree with that. And I think, you know, just like when I started learning about energy efficiency a long time ago, I was surprised at the amazing co-benefits and the benefits that I didn't even see coming. And I think, you know, if we keep our eye on the prize, and we focus on greenhouse gas emission reduction and climate change mitigation. The real benefit really, though, is from a personal perspective, not only the communities where the folks that, that are getting these jobs live, but also the families and the individuals specifically being um, affected and enhanced uh, their lives because of it. So I think that that's a great reason to do it. And I think that all those additional co-benefits come along for the ride. Uh, and it's a win-win for everybody. So I'm, I'm in total agreement with you on that one. So the last thing I really kind of, I, I really want to ask you with, I really want to kind of, um, uh, kind of 
you know, end with this if we if if we can, is I know again how passionate you are about this. And um, so to that end, I'd like to know in your opinion, right? And this is a somewhat of a personal question, I suppose. What's been your greatest success in addressing the workforce education needs um, in your role? What 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 really makes you happy and um, really gets you smiling in your private moments? So two things, and it, I need to go back to the silver lining of COVID. So in March of last year, when we were facing, you know, shutting down our energy education centers, that was such a scary moment, you know, for a variety of reasons, but we thought there's no way we can meet our objectives. And the team really rallied together, got creative, came up with uh, new training content. We worked with our training partners and we actually exceeded our training goals for the year. And so, oh man, that that just makes me smile when I think about it, how the team has grown over the last year and a half. It's been difficult times for sure, for everybody, but that's been such a silver lining to see our program grow. And in the process, we have developed also developed also some plans for next year, like I mentioned before, with the mobile unit, with a very comprehensive fuel substitution program. And so positioning this uh, energy education centers to be a part of the solution in a, in a bigger way going forward, those two things just make me smile when I think about it. That's awesome. That's great, Juan. Well, you know, there's no question about it. The work that you're doing and, you know, for, for as long as you've been doing it have, have changed lives, changed communities and, and are definitely changing the world. Um, we desperately need it. So, and maybe even the lives of people that we'll never know, right? Absolutely. So I think um, I, I'd like to take this opportunity again to, to thank you for participating. I hope this was enjoyable and informative for you. We'll see you around campus. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Impact Cafe. Franklin Energy delivers more than 100 turnkey energy efficiency and grid optimization programs for utility partners across North America. We work alongside our sister company, AM Conservation Group, who manufactures and supplies more than 300 energy efficiency and water conservation products. We help our energy partners achieve their goals with solutions implemented by more than 1,300 energy experts. Watch out for our next Impact Cafe to join our ongoing conversation. To make sure you're always a part of the conversation, follow Franklin Energy on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates. See you at the next Impact Cafe.